Welcome to the London Society podcast. Let's go back in time. This is the West End, full of famous and discreet shops that sell fishing tackle or jog balls or diamonds. You can browse around in elegant arcades like long drawing rooms or in Bond Street, one of the world's great shopping streets. Shopping for the newest things, the latest things, or even a nice cabbage if you happen to live here. People still do, although there are no shepherds in Shepherd Market now, any more than there is hay in the Haymarket. That was from a British Travel Association promotional film released in 1950, when London's West End, and the whole of the country, was recovering from the devastation of the Second World War. Seventy-odd years on, it is the damage done by the pandemic that the West End is trying to cope with, and this podcast will take a look at how the area's future is being formed. I'm Dave Hill. I am a trustee of the London Society, and I run the website onlondon.co.uk. My search for whatever is next for the West End began at the Outernet, a new entertainment complex beside Tottenham Court Road Station, down Charing Cross Road. It is home to two live music venues and a gold-coloured structure called the Now Building, which offers vast digital exhibition spaces. The Outernet project also encompasses Denmark Street, an avenue of legend in the history of British popular music. Fears were expressed that the Outernet and its developer, Consolidated Developments, would be the end of Denmark Street's guitar shops, recording facilities and general musical vibe. But John McRae of the scheme's architects, Orms, points out that that hasn't happened at all. We're actually walking down Denmark Street itself, and as, as we mentioned, some of the uh, retailers have moved during construction. So, for example, number 24, this was West Side. It's moved just one door to the left into 23. This was used as a site office, but that's now been cleared out. And West Side is one of the many musical, well, guitar and other musical instrument shops. That, that is correct. Yeah. So, we mentioned you know, Regent Sounds has, hasn't moved during construction but you have the Wanderers that have moved a couple of times. As I mentioned, uh, Roland have moved into the street itself. And number 20, which I believe is this one here, number 20, this is actually going to be used as a pro bono recording studio. So the British phonographic industry are coming back to the streets. They're very keen to create and identify a home for British music, and they've identified Denmark Street as being that. And as part of that, they are, as I say, going to create a pro bono recording studio so that emerging artists, people that have no financial challenges, can enter the industry. The recording studio is also digitally linked to the lower third. The lower third is the grassroots music venue. And so you can live perform and have it recorded at the pro bono recording studio. We stepped away from the construction noise in Denmark Street and entered a short tunnel called the Now Arcade. This was filled with digital images and sounds, ingenious artwork, footage from the Brit Awards, and a trailer for the Crown. Then we went inside the Lower Third Grassroots venue, which is named after one of David Bowie's early bands, and is the successor to the popular but long-departed 12-bar club. After that, John showed me into the larger of the two live performance venues, where, with no performers on the stage, it was very, very quiet indeed. 
even though Elizabeth Line trains were passing through a tunnel very close by. Yes, yeah, so Dave, we're now, we're now four levels below ground and we're stood in the 2,000-person flexible venue called Here. And the top of the, the floor slab that we're, we're stood on, from there to the top of the tunnel is around six metres and it runs diagonally across east-west across our site. Um, and the space that we're stood in is created as what's called a box-and-box construction. So the, the finishes that you see are acoustically isolated from the main structure. Um, so we had two challenges. One was the crossrail, but also in the northwest of the site is the northern line. And because the northern line is on old tracks and old stock, we had to be very careful about vibration and noise coming in and also vice versa. So the Elizabeth line is done on dampers, so it's, less, it's actually less of an issue than the northern line. But the idea was that there is no sound leakage out or no sound leakage in, so this is a proper you know, live performance venue. Back above ground, time to gaze at part of the outernet surface. This is the now-trending gallery that we're looking at here. So it's two walls adjoining each other at right angles with glorious, very high-definition moving images. So what kinds of things can you see when you stand here? If I stood here for 15 minutes, what, would I, what sort of things would I see? Um, it would be ever-changing content. So the one that we're actually looking at is what I mentioned earlier, which is Room to Breathe which is about how you can help you know, commuters or people that are coming to visit London just to give you that 10 minutes of calmness. So it's about just bringing you down, giving you content that works to just re you know, relieve some stress. Now that, maybe then you, know, you might see landscape views and then you might see take more photos as displaying emerging photographers and then you might have the Bristol Awards. The outernet, already functioning, aspires to preserving and augmenting Denmark Street's musical character while adding a bit more, including a hotel and generally drawing a West End crowd. Meanwhile, over in Mayfair, property giant Grosvenor has big plans for transforming a part of its famous estate that lies just south of Oxford Street. My guide is Director of Development Heather Topel. We're currently located at the top of South Milton Lane, uh, which is at the northern end of our South Milton Triangle site. Uh, we have the benefit of being immediately adjacent to the new Elizabeth Line station at Bond Street, and we have plans for a transformation of this part of the West End, running from where we are uh, down to Brook Street, over to South Milton Street and, and Davies Street. Why did you decide this little bit of London at this particular time? Well, at Grosvenor, we have a long history in this part of London. We look back 300 years and we're often trying to look forward just as far. And we are therefore really vested in what happens in the West End. And we're continually looking at how our state can change for the future. You've got, you've got quite a mix of different uses in the, in the streets that the development area covers. Is the balance going to change between retail and office and anything else? Well, yes, I mean, we're looking at delivering a significant increase in terms of the amount of office space that will be included. But this is really a mixed-use development, and it's reflective of the West End as it stands already, which is that there are offices, but there will also be residential uses, and we'll talk more about that when we look at South Malton Street. Uh, also, around 35 shops, cafes, restaurants, and a hotel. So this is a true blend 
in terms of what can happen and it's those compatible uses that will we hope generate interest and liveliness and also create what will become a new destination. I, I think the mix of uses here plays to the need to create a destination that works at different times of day, that's not just a nine to five destination, that works weekdays and weekends. And we know that as we understand what the impacts of post-COVID world are, that we need to be flexible about how we approach that. And so what's many of the many of the principles behind South Melton Triangle are those that I think we're seeing in London, in the UK, elsewhere, but how we create a more flexible, adaptable environment, one that's more focused on public realm and public spaces that will, we hope, be adaptable into the future. Now we're on uh, the rather fabulous and glamorous South Molton Street. Now the right-hand side, or, or, or that is the west, western side of this street, is part of the scheme. So what, are you, what is going to happen here, Heather? So on South Molton Street, uh, there, are, there are two really important moves that we're looking at in terms of, of the future. Uh, the first of those is looking at increasing and upgrading the retail uh, that's that's along the street and the second is that this is where we'll be providing homes and, and housing for, for people who live in Westminster and so that's both private and affordable housing that will be part of South Malton Street. Does that mean that some of the buildings that are here now are going to be put to different uses or are you going to be adding bits? How is it going to change? There will be some changes of use here, but we will be retaining all the buildings. So this is really a story about how we reuse the existing buildings and think about how we can, in a more low-carbon way, try to reinvigorate the street. South Malton Triangle will be net zero carbon, both in construction and in operation. And so that does mean that we've had to start thinking very early on about how we reduce our impact. It means that we'll be removing gas from the, the buildings and making sure that we, we're using uh, only electricity in, into the future, but how we reuse materials, uh, how we insulate the buildings, and, and also how we then operate them in a more sustainable way into the future. On the uh, Grosvenor website, there's... Uh, emphasis is laid on the fact that you're transforming this this famous triangle but we also want to preserve the stuff that's good and that makes it special so now we're standing opposite a pub which we will not be going into <laughs> we're, we're standing opposite a pub and uh, it's called the running horse so tell us a bit about yes. what's going to happen to the running horse yes it is probably a bit too early for us to, to head in there now uh, the the running horse is an existing pub and as part of our plans uh, the the expectation is that it will be expanded uh, so that we can provide more opportunities for seating within inside and that plays to what we were discussing earlier about sort of trying to find different opportunities to draw people in so that this is yes an office destination but it's equally somewhere that you might come for a drink likewise we're stood on Davies Mews where we'll have public realm that we'll be investing in and cafes spilling out onto the muse so that there will be different reasons for a much broader range of people to come to come to this part of Mayfair. People have been speaking over the last few years about whether the, the, the West End of London in all its variety and diversity has kind of had it. You clearly don't feel that way. No, ab- absolutely not. I think at Grosvenor, the West End is is our lifeblood. It's, it's how how we see the future of London through Mayfair and Belgravia and 
as an estate, we've seen it change innumerable times over 300 years. And I think our expectation is, yes, of course it will change, but it has a really important role to play in the future of London. That was Heather Topel from Grosvenor. The South Molton Triangle Scheme already has planning permission. Work will begin in the coming months and is expected to be finished in 2027. My final conversation for this podcast is with Councillor Jeff Barraclough, who is Westminster's Cabinet Member for Planning and Economic Development. As a member of Westminster Council's first ever Labour administration, his task includes nurturing the post-Covid revitalisation of the West End, while, at the same time, protecting the interests of the area's many local residents, not all of them wealthy, by the way, whose concerns were focused on by Labour's successful election campaign. I met Jeff Barraclough during the build-up to Christmas on the nation's high street, Oxford Street, where there are many vacant shop fronts, but where business did seem to be picking up again. We think uh, that we're seeing signs of recovery in, in Oxford Street, aren't we? After the terrible, bleak months of the pandemic, we've seen uh, tube use in the area increasing, for example, and the street does seem very, very busy today. So there's a sense of recovery, but is it going to recover into something a bit different from what it was before? Well, the street certainly is, uh, is very busy. The West End is packed with people, not just Oxford Street, but Soho and uh, Covent Garden and Bond Street as well. Very, very busy. Uh, look, Crossrail brings a million more people within 45 minutes of the West End. London has got bigger uh, as a result. But we did learn through the pandemic that all the various business sectors of the West End are interlinked. The ecosystem is very much an ecosystem. So hospitality, retail, the office market, culture and leisure. They all feed off each other uh, and we need to keep them all thriving. So what can a local authority actually do to bring these things about? Well, the, 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 key, uh, the key thing people want from Oxford Street is the right retail offer. Uh, and we know coming out of the pandemic, uh, with 30 candy stores, it, it had the wrong retail offer. So we've taken uh, as strong action as we can uh, against them. We've gone down from 30 to about 20. Um, we have got a pop-up programme to uh, encourage good meanwhile uses of, of space um, while um, landlords are waiting for, for better tenants. Uh, and we're investing in, in public realm. So we're investing uh, in an end-to-end refurbishment of Oxford Street from Marble Arch to Tottenham Court Road. Uh, new pavements, uh, new lighting, uh, some trees, uh, places to sit down. So uh, make it a much better environment, but also to demonstrate to uh, the investors, brands around the world, this is a place they can do business because they are going to be supported. And obviously your powers are limited. You don't own the shops. You don't decide... Uh, who they are let to. So you've got to be working with the big retailers, with the business organisations that represent them and so on to make bring this change about. I mean, is that a productive relationship you're having with them? Um, yes, there's a productive relationship with the private sector. Um, we have our asks, uh, as you'd imagine, from a, from a new Labour Council. Such as? Uh, such as pay the living wage, recruit locally, uh, strong green credentials to contribute to, to net zero. Uh, but on many of these things, we're pushing an open door uh, with the private sector. So yes, so far it's been a, a very productive relationship. Uh, interestingly, uh, uh, after your rather sensational victory in the, in the elections in May, there were some people jumping up and down and saying, at last 
Oxford Street is going to be pedestrianised. That was never going to be the case, was it? Well, it was never going to be the case. In fact, in our manifesto, we said we were not going to pedestrianise Oxford Street. And, and let me explain why. Mm. Um, number one, nobody knows where the buses would go. It's a street full of buses. If they don't go here, they've got to go somewhere else, and that's not been planned or agreed. Uh, number two, if there are no buses on Oxford Street, how do you get to Oxford Street, particularly if you've got limited mobility, and most of the tube network doesn't have step-free access? Number three, if there are no buses, how do you get from one end of the street to the other with two bags of shopping and three small children? It's, it's a, over a mile long, right? You need, you need buses. And number four, um, in the future, this street may have mixed uses, but at the moment, it's a mile of retail. When retail closes at seven o'clock in the evening, it would be a nightmare to manage this space if it was pedestrianised. So for those reasons, we're just not going to pursue that. No pedestrianisation then, and Westminster also intends to regulate the West End's nighttime economy more tightly. Yet the council, businesses and residents do seem to want to work together to improve street environments throughout the area and to ensure that the many components of that West End ecosystem, its shops, its bars and restaurants, its theatres and galleries and its local communities thrive together in post-pandemic harmony, just as they seem to be in that clip from 1950 we heard at the start of this podcast. And, after all, the West End is not only of great importance to London, the whole country needs it too. Goodbye.